This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Oh, yes. Week 358, Town Hall Academy, Carm Capriato, with a great topic today, Ways to Unify Your Team. Did you ever think that this team wasn't all on the same page and was flip-flopping around out there and you just wanted to put your arms around them and say, hey, let's all walk down this aisle together? Well, we've got some great stuff to talk about today with three incredible coaches in the industry. I want to introduce them to you right now. Rick White's with me from 180 Biz, 180biz.com. Vic Tarasik is here, shop owner coach. Vic at shopownercoach.com. Hello, Vic. Hey, good afternoon, Carm. Good to see you, man. Likewise. And representing the great white north. Minnesota. (laughs) (laughs) You hoser. (laughs) Murray Voth, RPM Training, rpmtraining.net. And Murray Voth at rpmtraining.net. We always have to have one token Canadian on as often as we can. (laughs) We could go further with that, but then we'd have to cut that part out. Thank you very much. Hey, I want to give great homage to our great sponsors. You know, want to win over younger customers? We'll show them the repair process, engage with live chats, and offer mobile payments. Unlock the secret to success with GetShopware.com. They're revolutionizing the way you connect with the next generation. And with over 2,300 SKUs and 95% sales coverage on fuel pumps, Delphi has everything you need to replace your customer's fuel pump. From OEM quality pumps, modules, GDI pumps, and fuel tank cleaning supplies to instructional videos, get started at DelphiAftermarket.com. Okay, guys, ways to unify your team. I hope we cover how to acknowledge and recognize our people's listen to reply, but maybe not to learn. How do we ask for ideas, set individual and team goals, evaluate work environments, your tools, equipment, and training? That'd be fun to do together to unite unite the team. And I'm sure our coaches are going to give you plenty of ideas to consider. Rick, we got to kind of set the direction. Where are we going? I mean, I, to, to me, the team camaraderie is so key. The way I've always explained it is you got everybody in a shop and they're kind of in their own little boats and they tend to be banging into each other. So by setting a common destination and then having a reason why you're doing it a purpose, it gets people in the same boat, right? The purpose gets everybody in the same boat and then it's the destination gets them paddling the same way. Mm -hmm. So that's a good start is to have that destination and the purpose. And I think what we're going to be talking a lot about today to unify, we got to find what's in common. And I think that's what we've got to do. We've either got to understand what's in common or we've got to create it or develop it so that everybody understands where we're going and wants to be there because that's part of a team. If they don't want to come with us, I mean, they're kind of telling you they don't want to be on the team. And I would be looking aggressively, assertively to replace them. On that note, that comes to mind that there are a few people that have never been really part of a team. They've never learned what it's like, how they were raised, how their family was like maybe other workplace situations where they've been. And so they've never experienced this. So for some people, this was the first time experience that we're going to be leading them to be joining a team, being part of a community as well. So we have to remember that some people just come at this without having ever experienced it in a positive way at all. If you've got a unified team, you're thrilled and happy, and then you make a hire 
And that person, to your point, Murray, doesn't know how to fit into their particular groove, into their slot, into their position, into their role. Too many people set it and forget it, and they walk away, and three months later, there's some fragmenting going on, some unhappy people. To me, it's like a good recipe. Sometimes you can ruin it if you cook it too long. Well, I agree, but I think we got to understand that a team by itself is an invitation. It's not something we can make somebody do. We've got to invite them in, if that makes sense. We've got to say, hey, we've got this great thing going on. We'd love to have you be a part of it. And if I've got somebody that is either, like Murray said, has never worked on a team, that's okay. We can work with that. But if I've got that prima donna that just, I mean, their world ends at their nose, that's the guy we don't want to keep because that's where the fragmentation is going to happen. And I've said this for years. One of the hardest things to do in a shop is to fire a toxic top performer. We've got to protect that team at all costs. And that team, you've got to be careful. You have, like Carm said, that really close-knit group. That's fantastic, but we've got to make sure that we're allowing other people into that group, that it's not a closed group or we're not going to let anybody in. So I think that's super important too, is what, so that everybody on the team knows, hey, like we got to play well with everybody. Well, I want to speak to your point, Rick, what you had said regarding toxic employee. I actually had that. I was in the shop and I was pressing one of my employees to do something particular. And he walked up to me in front of a few other employees and, and he was my top performer. He was a superstar. He'd knock out 60 hours a week, no comebacks. And he said to me, he goes, so Vic, why are you being, and I'll insert the phrase, male body part. And we stopped right there and I, I invited him into my office and I said, you know, Charlie, while you might be a great performer, first off, no one talks to me like that. Number two, I said, you need to pack your tools and go. And it was the most difficult decision to make because we're short on, on high talent, high production. Yet it was one of the best things because we protected the culture. How many people came up to you, Vic, and said, hey, boss, about time? A few did. It, I had and, the same thing happen. Yeah. Gave him an opportunity to get better. Right. But told him clearly that if it happened again, he was going to find out why there were wheels on his toolbox. Yeah. By nature, where the independent aftermarket is an independent and we need to train our people to be dependent on one another. We need to set the tone and we need to show that, hey, we're dependent. But at the same token, we value your independence because without your independence, you wouldn't be the strong person that you are. You know, like you said, you got to invite them in. We're going to talk about a lot of cool things to do to keep the team unified. But getting it started, I would imagine that a lot of people, Rick, Murray, Vic, in this industry just don't know how to sit down and have that purpose or that why talk with their people. We can go to Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, and, mm-hmm. and maybe one of Vic or, or Rick is going to elaborate on that. I think Vic's talking points has got some pretty cool things that I think he's going to bring up. But I have a term or I have an approach with my coaching clients where many of them will use the term, you would think they would know better about their employees. Yeah. You're not allowed to say that in my presence without, a, apparently I have a stare that I do when you say stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, how would they know better? Well, common sense. And again, you know, Carm, you and I have talked about what's the difference between common sense and common knowledge, right? No, they don't know that. So I think part of what, and I'll, I'll get back to this in a little bit, because I think, I think Vic's got a couple of really cool things in his talking points that I, I want to hear about. But we have to start with a basic orientation. Like I'm maybe going too nitty gritty here. Orientation, when an employee starts there, do we sit down with them and talk about our basic expectations, about our goals in general? When you work on a car, do you know that this car is owned by Mrs. Johnson and Mrs. Johnson is just recently widowed and Mr. Johnson used to be the one that always brought the cars of the family in and now he's gone and now Mrs. Johnson's on her own. Do you as a technician actually know that? 
And are you aware of that? Are you treating a car? This is a widow's car that you're now informing and educating. So the idea is, is that why comes with a bigger purpose is well, kind of where I'm going. And I agree. See, for me, purpose is why we do it beyond the money. Because if we're focused on money and that's all we think about, all you're going to end up with is mercenaries. And that doesn't work. You got to understand your why. And the way I explain to my clients, it's either going to be a cause or that you're going to shoot to help or an adversary to overcome. So for me, when I had, when I started the shop, ours was getting the car fixed the right the first time, people getting taken advantage of. We were on a mission to make sure people got treated fairly and they were getting the work that they needed, not anything else. So I think that's important. When I started coaching back in 2003, when I started coaching, I'm tired of seeing shop owners struggle the way they struggle. I watched my dad do it for 30 years. I did it for a good part of my life until I figured things out. And it amazes me. I was talking to a shop owner just last week and he's making $300 a week. How do you pay yourself and live on $300 a week? So for me, I'm on a crusade, right? We say it all the time. We're here to make the world a better place one shop at a time. Mm. You got to have your why, because that goes beyond the money. It goes beyond anything else. It's a mission, a crusade, a windmill, right? For anybody that understands Don Quixote. <laughs> but yeah, it's something that you got to have beyond the money. It can be a cause that you're going to help or assist with, or it needs to be an adversary to overcome. If you remember the old Apple and PC com the commercials, right? Mm -hmm. You got to have a worthy adversary. Or you've got to have a great cause to go after for your purpose. But here's the problem. Most shop owners are spending so much time in survival mode just to get the bills paid, just to make payroll. You can't think like think Maslow's pyramid. You can't think up here when your needs down here haven't been met. So yeah. the first thing we've got to do is get them to, okay, let's get the bleeding to stop. Let's get it so you're starting to pay yourself a little bit more. Now let's start thinking about Let's make this a bigger deal than just making money. Yeah. It takes time and it's an uncomfortable conversation because make it too complicated. It doesn't have to be that complicated. Here's how I found mine. You know, my mom was widowed when I was really young. Saw how she was dealt with at independent repair centers. And one of the core values at our shop was treating every customer with a master degree of respect. We were a female friendly shop before, before I asked Patty. And that became the core of who we were. So everybody we brought on, we talk to them about the value of the customer. We introduce them. And the way we approached it was this. Car repair at our shop should be no more difficult than going to the store and buying a dozen eggs and picking up a gallon of milk. That vision was then shared through everybody at the shop. And how did I figure it out? Was What was it, the value to me? So everyone's core belief, their value set is going to be a little bit different. When a shop owner is seeking for why, the why, all he's got to do is look inside and see what it is he values then bring the people around him and and communicate that and pull that out of them too and bring, bring it where it comes a shared, unified vision. Well, I bet you a bunch of owners listening now are going to say, hey, I resonate with that, right? So you, right. there's no reason why you can't take somebody else's why. No. And if it resonates with you, you can own it and put your own spin on it, right? Exactly. My why back with my shop, uh, my coach helped me get to, and one of the ones that I really work on hard with everybody I work with is the value of transportation. You see, we think that customers are out there pricing out low cost breaks or shops with lower labor rates or service mm -hmm. rates or because they're trying to save a dollar. But when you sit back and look at what does it cost the driving public to drive a car? And I just got some new data for Canada. So you guys will have to find yours in the States, but you guys keep better statistics than we do up here anyway. So, but the average Canadian has, uh, $79,000 in debt. That includes car debt, 
vehicle debt, uh, mortgages, everything, right? So that averages everybody. So that's people with no debt, people with millions of dollars of debt. Of that debt, $22,000 of that is vehicle debt. So if I can keep a client in their current vehicle for two to $3,000 a year of repairs and maintenance and keep them in that vehicle for five years, and they are smart enough to maybe set a little bit of money aside what they're saving, I can save people thousands of dollars without, without reducing the price of my services because I'm actually saving them debt interest on replacing that car. That was my why, is how long can we keep this car? Do you want to make more money? I'm sure you do. But how do you maximize profit without sacrificing service? Well, Shopware can help you. We are the auto repair software solution. Sure, there are cheaper options out there, but the old adage that you get what you pay for still holds true. And when you go shopping for a car, do you just pick the cheapest one available or do you pick the one that meets your needs? With Shopware, you can digitally track jobs in real time, optimize parts pricing, and transform your business. Shopware can take the guesswork out of your operations, allowing you to make data-driven decisions to help your business be successful. We have features the wannabes can't touch, and they know it. That's why they're so cheap. But hey, don't take our word for it. Check out Shopware. The product speaks for itself. Visit GetShopware.com for a free demonstration. As the trusted aftermarket brand for over 100 years, Delphi Technologies is by your side for every step of the repair process. The Delphi journey doesn't stop once the parts are ordered. Wherever your journey takes you, our quality parts gives you ease of mind when getting your customer's vehicle back on the road. Technicians know and trust Delphi as a quality brand. Each product undergoes rigorous testing to not only meet OE standards, but also enhance it in each opportunity. From 700 hours of spray testing on chassis components to fuel pumps tested for reliability up to 150,000 miles. And safety and reliability is paramount to help vehicles drive cleaner, better, and further throughout their lives. Delphi is also committed in developing products and services to prepare technicians for the future. Take advantage of how-to videos on YouTube, technician-led trainings, and our technical support line, and more. Turn to the aftermarket parts supplier with over 100 years of OEM trust and quality. Learn more about Delphi. Visit DelphiAftermarket.com. I wonder how many people at our counters in North America have that discussion. You know, Carm, you had somebody on your show. It was it was several service advisors slash service advisor coaches. I forget their names. I wish with all respect to them. And I don't want to say the wrong ones either. So I'll just say you had some guests on there and they were doing role plays with each other. And one of the role plays was a guy presenting an estimate for $4,000 and the client saying that, well, no, they're thinking of replacing the vehicle. And the advisor said, well, what are you thinking of replacing it with? And the gentleman said, I'm thinking of replacing it with this Toyota, whatever. And the advisor was like, those run around $45,000, $50,000, sir. Yeah, that's about right. And so the advisor looked at him and said, so you're trying to solve a $4,000 problem with a $45,000 solution? <laughs> I've always just giggled when I heard that because that's what... We have to gently call our clients out on their misperceptions of the cost of maintaining that vehicle. Mm -hmm. I do a whole thing, and, and, and I'll try to be quiet in a minute, other coaches here, but I do a thing where I compare Dunkin' Donuts. If I have a coffee every day at Tim Hortons in Canada, Dunkin' Donuts in the States, it's around $1,000 a year. If I get a, a Manny Petty every couple of once a month, it's $1,800 a year. If I smoke 
in Canada, it's thir- it's three thousand dollars a year. Like when you look at all the things people spend money on, it's actually not much more than looking after your car. Perspective. It's body maintenance or it's car maintenance. You choose. You choose. <laughs> I got a hell of a car. <laughs> <laughs> I love the quote, make your relationship, your transaction as easy as buying milk and eggs. Vic, that's great, man. That's a mental picture to pick. But I think where we're all going, and I love it because we're talking about ways to unify your team. If what you decided to do in your initial dream of starting your business could be shared with people and they get on your northbound train and they're excited for you and you're excited for them, you can't just do it once. This is a perpetual thing, unifying your team. I don't think you set it and forget it. I would love to see the rest of the team lead themselves through these things while you're coaching them and mentoring them and celebrating them and talking about training. Once I think the team says, hey, boss, let's do it. Don't walk away. You should be part of the spoke of that wheel. Well, I'm going to tell you that I think what's great about setting up a great team like that is it takes work in the beginning. But then momentum kicks in and they feed off each other, Mm -hmm. not on each other, (laughs) off each other. And what happens is it takes less energy to keep it going. But you definitely don't want to leave it alone because it'll fizzle. You got to remember that you're the leader. You're the one that's setting the tone, the pace, purpose, the passion, the activity, the accomplishment, attitude, the caring, everything, the expectations and energy. You're setting that as the leader. And I think there are so many shop owners out there that call themselves leaders when really see a leader's out front pulling people. Come on, guys, let's go. Come on, guys, let's go. Managers are in back of them pushing. And I think there's too many people in the back trying to push people that aren't sure where they're going, why they're going there. And that's why we're getting the hesitancy is because the owner isn't willing to sit down and ask a couple of uncomfortable questions and get answers to them so that they can get that direction. They can get that purpose because those are the first keys. There's nothing in the world like getting somebody that's excited about where you're going for their reasons, right? Remember, leadership is getting people to do what you want for their reasons, but it's getting them to understand that they're going to be a part of something bigger. And because of that, they're not there to push. You don't have, they're not a slug. They're sometimes they're pulling you going, come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. That's the kind of energy you want in the shop. Every once in a while, you find yourself wanting to ask questions of your team because you want to get good answers. And then you want to ask follow-ups and follow-ups because you eventually want them to solve their own problems, to answer their own questions. As a leader, you don't have to be the answer man. Well, they're looking up to me and they want to know what kind of barbecue are we having Friday? Because they they want the, this is a unifying thing. They want the boss to pick. And they says, what do you guys want? What did we have two weeks ago? If you're the answer man, they're too self-reliant on you to always have answers. You want to unify by that individual saying, hey, it was me who picked the bologna and the onions this week. Well, (laughs) we call that daddy syndrome. Okay, perfect, yeah. Because what happens is you train, you give them the answer once, and you think you've helped them, but what you've done is just taught them to ask you questions quicker. Yeah. And it's a problem. You know why we do it, I think? I think we do it because we're insecure about the value we bring to the table. It's really hard Like for those of you that are getting there, when you're out the shop working on a car, you understand how you're making money for the shop. When you're on the front counter selling work, you understand how you make money for the shop. But then all of a sudden you get into an office like this 
and you sit down in front of a computer and you go, oh, crap, what do I do now? (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Because we're sitting there and we start to get stressed out. We get uncomfortable. And then what happens is we go to our happy place, which is if you're a technical background, you go back out to the shop and mess Mm -hmm. things up out there. Mm -hmm. Or you go out front and you screw something up on the front counter. Instead of going through that discomfort and understanding the nine different responsibilities you have as a business owner when it comes time to work on the business. I think that makes such a big deal. Well, and you're going to that that spot where they're up in their office. I break down the roles in the shop really three simple ways. You have the shop owner. He's the rainmaker. Service advisor is the generator. The technician is the producer. Without any rain... We can't generate or produce. Mm-hmm. And so the value that a shop owner would have by going up into his office is he's making more rain. And the more rain, the more growth. And yes, it is uncomfortable when you first get up in there. <laughs> Why to go back? You're right, Rick. The happy place, you're going to screw yeah. things up by going to that happy place. Especially if your order goes behind the counter. Yeah. You hear that. You know, I know Murray and Rick, you heard that. Can you do any better on that one? Yeah, can you get yeah. more? Can you give him a call again? Maybe we could. Will you shut up and go away? Well, why don't you do this one first? Go away. I got yeah. this. Or the, or the discounting thing that Vic just alluded to. Or, or, you know, or you're over the advisor's shoulder and go, hey, uh, that, that's probably a little high. You know, they may not buy that. And then you, then what's that? What is the shop owner done? He has hurt the confidence of the advisor. It, no, no, it's just nuts. And kind of Vic's, I have a quite a slight different analogy. I think of, I said, think of your shop as a human body. The technicians are the hands. They get the stuff done. The advisors are the mouth and the ears. But until you become the owner, there's nobody doing the brain stuff. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's the reality. So when you step into your office, you're finally becoming the brain. And we all contribute, but we're going to contribute differently now. You know, it's pretty amazing. If I could give owners, shop owners listening, some very, very basic starting points, because when I look at a problem that I need to solve, even today in my current business or my life, I have this tendency to want to break it down into its simplest pieces and figure out what do I need to know or learn. That's just Murray's approach, right? That not maybe not everybody resonates, but it has been proven over and over and over and over again that the person speaking at the front of the room is automatically seen as the leader. So you as an owner, the first thing you need to do in this whole process of setting vision, like all the stuff these coaches are telling you is amazing. We have to set vision. We have to do all these things, but to start having short meetings. I call them toolbox meetings every morning at the beginning of the day, a two-part agenda, three-part agenda, five minutes max, maybe seven at the most. Then you develop a weekly meeting, maybe at a coffee break, and then you have a monthly lunch meeting. And you develop an agenda, you stick to time. And the reason why meetings always stall or generally stall or, you know, we'll have this great vision of doing it is we keep waiting for everybody to be there. It doesn't suit this person. It doesn't suit that person. I can't get that person there. So here's everybody listening. Listen carefully. The person speaking at the front of the room is the leader. So you as the owner for the next while are going to be the one speaking and you are going to be standing. Hopefully maybe toolbox meeting, everybody's standing anyways, right? If you have them in the lunchroom or whatever and other people are sitting, you're going to be standing. Right away, that's the beginning of becoming a leader. If you have a hard time being watched by another group of people or by speaking in front of even two or four people, then you've got to go to Toastmasters and Mm Carm will talk about that. So just hang on a sec, Carm. One more piece on this. The reason is you set the time and you meet every time no matter who is there. People who miss the meeting will know they've missed it. Their peers will know what was talked about. When something goes wrong that day, the other ones will look at the ones that weren't at the meeting going, you weren't at the meeting, were you? Next thing you know, you have positive reinforcement, the rest of the team, and next six weeks later, everybody's at the meeting every time with rare exceptions. That is a basic starting point to begin your leadership journey, everyone. 
Completely agree. In fact, as the leader, I am so impressed with a couple of fictional characters that are out there. Number one, Clint Eastwood and his very limited amount of things that he would say. But when he does speak, everybody listens. So he's a very powerful leader in his own right. And if you've ever watched NCIS, the character Gibbs, rarely, I don't think he says but 20 words through the whole show, but he is admired and respected. And when he does open his mouth, you listen. So you don't have to be the talkative individual to lead a team. And it doesn't matter if you're the owner, if you're the COO, if if you're the GM, or if you're standing in front of your Toastmasters group. You just got to earn that respect. Thanks for bringing up Toastmasters, Murray. RemarkableResults.biz forward slash Toastmasters. It is a Remarkable Results Toastmasters group. It's virtual. We have people from all over the country. We meet twice a month. All the information is there. And thank you for these great points, gentlemen. Uh, Rick White's with us, Vic Tarasik, Murray Voth. Let's get into some of the, the nitty-gritty stuff on how we can build a team, the recognition piece, the the training stuff. You're starting to build teams. Let's get into some of the tactics that I think help get ourselves where we want to go. The recognition, the training resumes. People put stuff on bulletin boards all day long, ASE goals, where we get to. I mean, to me, you want to unify a team, bring the family into those common goals and even reach goals. One of the areas that I find highly effective is in building trust. Even the simplest ways as a a young shop owner or a new shop owner who hasn't done it is Friday lunches. You have have a Friday lunch where you break bread together, you hang out with the team. You might talk some business, you might talk some hunting, fishing, football, whatever. But what happens, you start to build a relationship that are not around the daily business. The bond begins to form. And, and then another part of that is taking an individual employee out to lunch. You'd be surprised when you take an employee out to lunch. First thing they're going to say is, okay, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> they're waiting for the other shoe to drop or get terminated when they go out there. But you go out, same thing. You, you hang out with them and you do this with everybody in the shop. Go out, go to Subway, grab a sub, sit down, get to know one another. And what, again, what is the owner doing? He's building a bond of trust with his employees. And what happens is all the team starts to trust one another. So I love that. I support it heavily. I like to get the one-on-ones out of the shop as much as I can because it's neutral ground. Because I always have an upper hand at the shop because it's my shop. But the second thing is when you're going and you're going to have these meetings with these guys, they're informal. But make sure you're not talking. Make Mm -hmm. sure you're asking questions and staying curious Mm -hmm. and learning more and more about them. It's not about you trying to convince them to do something or be somebody or get somewhere. If you really want to grow a team, they got to know you have their back before they're ever going to cover yours. And Mm -hmm. the way you do that is by getting to know them, humanize the people. For too long, we saw people as production and they're not. They're human beings. They have lives outside of the shop. And they, especially today, with mental fitness being an issue that it is, it's super, super important that people can feel seen, heard, and appreciated. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can be a big part of that. But it means being curious. It means, what is being humble? Being humble is, it's not thinking less about yourself. It's just thinking about yourself less, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's so important when you're doing these things because a leader, a real leader, is going to put the team first. And thinking about them more. (laughs) The idea is fabulous, guys. The open-ended question says, hey, how's the Boys and Girls Girls Club thing you're doing? Hey, I know you were building a new garage and you're working on that car at home. And tell me about it. I know the wife was out working on something. 
You know what? Those are some of the best meetings that you as an employee can have with the owner of the place who signs my check because he cares about what's going on in my world and in my life. And you know what ends up happening? They start talking to you about the business. They talk to you about their role. They talk to you about what they see, what they feel, where they would love to see the business go, what new piece of equipment they need. And this, you've always asked me about training, but I've never said anything, but I feel really comfortable today. I'd love to get out and get some advanced GDI stuff. Rick, it could go any place. Absolutely. And it should be allowed to go any place. One of the things that we teach is a personal development plan. I don't believe in 90-day reviews or annual reviews. I think they're crap. Everybody should know how they're doing every day. So anybody that's let go and it's a surprise, you failed as a leader. Or <laughs> yes. So my thing is every quarter, once a year, we sat down with the team, three business goals, three personal goals. And then we would meet every 90 days to see how they were progressing on those goals and what we could do to help them. Because people are only going to stay working with you as long as they see you as a resource to help them get what they want. There's a really great book called The Dream Manager by Matthew Kelly that talks about this. Is It's all about helping people achieve their goals. So part of that every 90 days, we gave the person I was talking to, I gave them a form to rate me as a leader. They had seven mm -hmm. days notice. We would give it, I would give them the form, they would fill it out. And it was a way for me to get feedback on how I was showing up. Mm -hmm. But we also now have one that, so we have a leader assessment and a team assessment that they fill out before we do a personal development meeting. And we do that every 90 days. Okay. And it works out pretty damn cool. Yeah. Something that somebody taught me recently, and again, I should be there. It is in my notes, but I mean, my memory is failing me who taught me this recently, whether it's a shop owner or another coach. I'm with you, Rick. I think some of the old school review processes are stressful. They're not productive. You know, the, the whole 360, having the employees all rate you and backstab you in the back. You know, these methodologies just are not very modern methods with, with helping really resonate with the development of people. Anyways, this person taught me, they asked their employees three questions. I think we're talking about two different things here, just to clarify from between you and I is we have these casual lunches, which are get to know mm -hmm. and whether business stuff comes up, it comes up, right? Is that kind of right. the lunches yeah. you're talking about? So I want to just reiterate that these casual lunches are very important besides what Rick and I are talking about that are a little slightly more formal, right? But the, the three questions to ask the, the team member is one, is there anything that I'm doing you'd like me to stop? Is there anything that you'd like that I'm not doing enough of? And is there anything new that you'd like me to do? Three simple questions. So number one, is there anything as a leader, as an owner that you'd like me to stop doing? Is there anything that you would like me to start doing or keep doing that I'm doing? And is there anything new that you'd like me to, to do as part of the leader of this company? These are questions to the team member, right? Which really opens you up pretty wide open, pretty vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> to ask those questions. That's a great methodology. Stop, start, continue. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great methodology right. to start asking questions and get yeah. more. Yeah. So maybe I got that from you, Rick, because you seem to have titles for it. <laughs> well, what I love, what I love that it, what I love that it shows, it shows your vulnerability. It shows your underbelly to your team. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, you're not this hard shell, bad behind boss. You are a softy. We're willing to take the in, the input, and you're willing to be transparent and vulnerable. Yeah, and I just want to clarify too, because I think Vic's absolutely right. But being a softy doesn't mean I let people walk on me. I no. have a standard and I got someplace I'm going and I want to go with you and I'm going to do everything in my power to help you get us there. But if you start derailing us, I will let you go 
right? Everybody that gets on our bus isn't meant to stay on our bus. Mm -hmm. So if they start to derail and they want to go this way, but I'm, you know, as a team, we're going this way. If you keep this person, you're in trouble. So you've got to be able to say, okay, hey, really, thank you so much for everything you've done. Love you to pieces, but it's time for us to part ways. And I think that's super, super important to realize. And I think sometimes we get stuck when we see more potential in people than they see in themselves. We end up trying to chase that potential instead of working with people that really want to grow. A point about the underbelly, guys. Uh, Vic, I loved your comment. But I look at that, if I was the employee and you were, again, as you said, open up your underbelly, and, and I think, Rick, you may have come by and said it was more real, human, and caring, right? I think an individual wants to work for an individual like that. And if there's family and love and caring in the human side of this thing, that individual may not necessarily want that. I'll prove to you, Rick. They got to get off the bus. Okay. They're hardcore. They're ugly. They're overly competitive, right? That's not going to unify a team. And I love the idea of being that human side and that caring side, because I think that gets to the culture piece that we haven't even talked about yet, but it's almost the outer sphere of what we're talking about. I just think that it's it's a critical piece. If you're uncomfortable doing it, try it a few times. You'll be amazed if you've got the right people on your team, how they're going to open up to you too. And the problem is that people are afraid. A shop owner I'm coaching now, he just started up and he is dead set on being professional. And I'm like, well, why don't you be friendly and caring and funny? And he's like, no, I said, make them friends. And he goes, no, because I don't want to be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that there's some pain in there somewhere yeah, that I haven't covered yet. Right. Yeah. yeah. But what I explained to him is you can be friends with boundaries Right. Yes. Right. You create boundaries with these people. And he said to me, he said, we were talking about employees. And he says, so if somebody, one of your employees came to you and said, hey, I'm moving Saturday. Can you help? I said, if I wasn't doing anything, I'd be there with my truck. Mm -hmm. Right. That's just being a good human being. Right. And if I couldn't, I'd tell him I couldn't because I had something else going on, a prior commitment. But I can say no, but I've got to have the boundaries in place where it's appropriate and not appropriate. Boy, that is key. Guys, I got to tell you, I think you may have knocked at home here, Rick, with the word boundaries. We have talked so much open and caring and loving stuff, but there's a point where the I love the professionalism piece. To me, that we need to insert that into everything that we've talked about and set the boundaries and you could unify your team. Yet, if an individual is really struggling and this is, listen, I don't know if this, if this is going to cross a boundary or not, but I'm having some really difficult trouble at home. Can we talk confidentially in the office somewhere out because an individual needs to tell you that they're struggling with something. Their work performance could be suffering for it. I look strange every morning when I come in because this stuff is going on. The confidential side opens up a boundary that you literally can't cross unless you're willing to cross it. Well, you can still set another boundary because let's say, Carm, you come in and say, I got a problem. Can I talk to you? And I'm like, absolutely. I think we as human beings have been screaming in silence for too long because we're afraid nobody will listen. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times just talking about the situation mm-hmm. makes it better, okay? Yes. There's an old saying that says, a joy shared is magnified where a struggle shared is halved. And I think that is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So that if I, Carm, if you came to me and said, hey man, I'm having problems at home. 
tell me more. Tell me what's going on. Now, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not an ist in any way, shape or form. I don't play one on TV. But the reality is I've been married three times. I've been through two divorces. I've been bankrupt. I've done everything just about that you could with seven kids, seven grandkids. So a lot of times I can listen and I can offer some insight from my experience. But if I'm listening to you, Carm, and you're really having issues, then this is where we get hung up. We feel like we got to fix it. We don't have to fix it. All I have to do is help you get resources that can help you through it. That's what I've got to do. And that's whether that's a financial coach, if it's money, if it's a, you know, if it's counseling for, you know, marriage or anything else that's going on. Because the reality is business is just one part of their lives. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of other stuff and it's intertwined. You can't say, leave it at home. It doesn't work. No, it's it's in our it's in our best interest to help them get problems help get them get problems solved outside the shop. We may not be the problem solver, but you nailed it, Rick. We're the conduit mm-hmm. to the yeah. professionals that we know because we have a very vast network of people uh, as business owner outside of our shop. Absolutely, and, yeah. yeah. You know, there's gonna be financial problems. There's gonna be marriage issues. There's gonna be kid issues. I can't counsel on kids, but I know somebody who can. We can be advocates for them, right? We can advocate for them to- Exactly. Right? And a lot of them are, maybe if they're younger, don't have a lot of experience, and we can refer them to legal counsel, to an insurance agent. Sometimes it's not necessarily a dramatic mental fitness issue. Maybe it's just literally I was in a car accident and I don't know what to do because my parents never taught me how to report a car accident. We can be advocates that way. I'd like to take this conversation a slightly different direction because CARM, the the KIND, there was the acronym that you went through, KIND, loving, approachable, the whole bit, right? And then we talked about boundaries and finding this place to... I think the other thing that sets good leaders apart, good business owners apart, is the ability to be good decision makers. And to show your people that you can make decisions. Because I think your team and your followers are looking for you to make decisions. If you are a person that waffles, that can't make decisions, whether they're wrong or right, you will lose the interest by certain people. So there are people out there that they need the love and the care, but there's other people who just want somebody who's steering that ship. So an old analogy I heard years and years ago was about when Columbus sailed the ocean blue, what year was it? 1492. Or when Columbus sailed the deep blue sea, it was 1400 and anyways, it was a poem that my dad taught me and I always get the years wrong. Anyways, back in 1492, what did the world believe? What did the world look like? What did people think the world was? Was it round or flat? And what happened if you sailed too far? Drop off the edge. You went off the edge. How easy was it to get sailors as Columbus who knew that they were, he was just going to go west? Hard. You know where they got sailors? From prison. They, there was This was, you were mandated. And so the idea here is, is Columbus is now sailing west to the edge of the earth. And he's supposed to be up top watching the, the horizon for the for the edge of the world. And he's downstairs fixing an oar with the rest of the sailors. What do you think those sailors are going to say? Get back up top. Mm-hmm. Somebody has got to be watching the edge of the earth because we're going to go off it into dragons and, and whatever is at the end of that edge. Why are you down here fixing something when we can fix this? So I've sort of digressed a little bit from decision-making to what is your actual role? You're looking at the horizon of what's coming at that business and people are trusting you to look at the horizon. But if you're not, if you're in the back fixing something, if you're not tracking your numbers, if you're not doing the HR, if you're not doing the nine things that Rick says that you need to be doing, I have a list of seven. So I'm going to have to talk to Rick after hours about what his extra two are, (laughs) right? If you're not doing those nine things, your staff won't trust you. You have to be the leader. 
You have to be the boss. You have to be the captain, the admiral of the ship, because people are relying on you to steer this thing. If you're not steering it and making decisions to steer well, they're going to jump ship because they're terrified of where it's going to go. Guys, I got to tell you, this we always get together with you guys. We always go into great, great places. I love your final comments there. But you know, when I'm thinking of not being the answer man, but being a really good listener, going back to the confidential discussion, Rick, you cannot be that individual. Oh, I'm honored that they're sharing this with me. I have to give them all my wisdom. No, you can't. Because what has to happen is you have to listen. You have to confirm and clarify. Maybe even take some notes. But that individual has so much to say that to this point where they got with you. It's almost like, guys, and let me share this. Think of an individual who wants to speak to you confidentially and the role that you have to play shouldn't be any different than your toolbox meeting true who's standing up in front of the room and you shouldn't be the individual who leads the meeting every week or every couple of weeks you need to pass that around you can't unify a team if they individually don't feel like they have a leadership role inside of that core this was great let's go around the room and have any final comments you guys gave me all kinds of great talking points not sure we got to them all but we had fun and i think this was a great episode that could change an awful lot of people in our industry we'll do vic we'll do murray we'll do rick vic any final words thank you so much for being here shop owner coach absolutely unity starts with you understanding your common vision shared purpose and like like murray said Get in front of the room. Be that leader. Wow, that was succinct, short, tight, sweet. Mm, mm, mm. Murray, ways to unify your team. Final words. Don't overthink it. Start with the simple steps. Start with the things that you know that you can do. Start with those and build on those. And you'll surprise yourself six months from now, your role and the unity of your team. Start small. I got to tell you, when we do these final wrap-ups, there's so much wisdom right here at the end of the episode that if anyone ever quits listening until the very end, shame on you. (laughs) Murray Voth, RPM Training. Rick White. So three words, clarity, communicate, celebrate. Mm. That's really everything right there. Mm -hmm. You'll get people that will want to be on your bus and they will actually help you push it if need be to get where you guys are going. That's the amazing thing when you have a unified team. There's nothing like it. And I've seen shop owners that had it for a while and then someone left and it kind of fell apart. It can be hard to get back, but it takes work. It takes diligence. Mm -hmm. You can make it happen. Well, Rick at 180biz.com. Thank you so much for this. Ways to unify your team. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Take care, everybody. Thanks, See you, Carm. See you, everybody. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.